0: Hi, and welcome to Mr. Suitcase number 17. Uh, I have an opportunity now to go ahead and sit down with Mr. Patrick Chapin and discuss uh, how the tournament's going for him and some other uh, overall topics. So I guess, Pat, first thing I'm going to do is ask you, uh, how's the day going?
1: Ah, excellent. I mean, it's a beautiful day out, having a lot of fun, a lot of people here. I'm one, and one but, you know, it's having a good time.
0: So I, I I guess before I get into the, any of the overarching uh, comments, uh, that is I got to watch the uh, end of the last round, and uh, at the end of the last round, uh, your opponent's asking you, you know, if you have any ideas uh, how he could Im- you know improve his play or whatnot, and. Uh, we talked a little. I mentioned to him how he was shuffling. You took you took a lot of time to go through and reconstruct some play situations, and to go through and even give him you know some opportunity to you know update some of his shuffling. You know, it took a lot of time to go sit and talk with him about that. So, can you explain to me your philosophy on on why you make yourself available, even to to someone like me, to go ahead and talk about the game and and help out people who ask you to? I mean, I love it,
1: and other people who love it too. It's I mean, we're all a common community, you know. Like I would like to be able to. If somebody asks me for some advice on things like how to shuffle or how we should have played the last game, uh, I would fortunate to have an opportunity to spend a couple minutes talking with somebody, you know, talking with a uh, an intelligent guy about how to play something to do something that we love. I mean, that's like. That's, like, one of the best things in life, you know? Like, I don't know. It's something that we have in common. I, I always love, you know, as much, like, sometimes it can be, uh, one doesn't always have the time to be able to interact with everyone they'd like to. So when I'm here hanging out and we have a couple minutes between round, um, I'm thankful to have an opportunity to spend a couple minutes talking with somebody about something I love.
0: Uh, one of your recent articles, like in the last three weeks, I don't remember which order. I, I've been out of town and just caught up them all. You talked a lot about uh, missed opportunities and, and and making up for missed opportunities, and kind of uh, you know life in general being a uh, you know, taking a very positive outlook on it and enjoying what's going on and, and focusing on kind of the good. Uh, that seems to be kind of an integral integral part of how you approach the game as well as life is, is that really an accurate statement
1: is it an accurate st- I, i'm yeah i'm i'm into good things yeah, absolutely I, I in general i like things that are good and i'm uh i like i look for the good in things i think every, i think that everybody's good and i think that the world is a really good place so i definitely try to uh try to see the good in everything and every obstacle being an opportunity you know like, every every roadblock that you'd have to overcome is an opportunity to, in some way, live life in some way. There's something to overcome or something to see or to experience or some surprise to unfold or, or uh, some decision that will be relevant that helps define who you are, you know? Yeah, I, I, I do, and I, I really
0: appreciate that outlook on life. I, I think it's something people probably don't get to hear enough of, especially, you know, I guess you find... Uh, Sometimes you find people who are a casual players in nature. Kind of think of pros as you know jaded folks, and you know sometimes you you find uh, people trying to create riffs that don't necessarily need need to be someplace and. Uh, so I, anyway I, I saw the way I've seen the way you interact with folks uh, at tournaments now on several different occasions and you and a lot of the pros and I know that personally I, I appreciate any time folks take to to talk with me and I, I know that the public does as well but uh, so anyway from us thank you and uh, I'll move into some <laughs> some topics now um, <laughs> And that was my first hug from Patrick Chafin. <laughs> Uh So I guess the first thing, what are you playing today?
1: Uh, next Level Band. Yeah, uh, nothing too unusual. Um, a few strange card choices. Uh, a few less negates and oblivion rings than I would normally play. Uh, I guess slightly more spreading seas and Elspeths and path exiles, but um, no, not nothing too crazy. Okay,
0: so. Obviously, obviously, you're playing Jace, and right, and right now I see, uh, you know, who's, you know, one of the top cards in standard that that you definitely called, and I I've I seen, you know, I saw Mana Leak is going to be reprinted, and a lot of people have just seen blue and blue and blue coming out of M11. So I had a Twitter follower ask me to ask folks about is is this upcoming year
1: going to be the year of blue? See, a lot of people think the blue is going to be good for a change, and. Uh I personally, I, I'm i kind of upset because blue is once again getting the shaft. Um, if you look at it right now, uh, it's not... Type 2 is not about having the best creatures, you know, like that 4-4 four, four Fire, Conundrum, Sphinx that lets you draw a card every turn for 4 mana with no drawback. It's not about Planeswalkers like Jace the Mind Sculptor or counterspells like Mana Lake, you know? It's not about having things like Mana War or Seagate Oracle or drawing extra cards or having good bounce or... or uh, Wait, what was the question? Wait, <laughs> is next year going to be the year of blue? <laughs> Dude, we're playing Magic. Every year is the year of blue. Yeah. Was... Every single year. In the last 18, 17 years, there's been like a year and a half that's not the year of blue. Yeah. Like, okay, Onslaught block wasn't the year of blue. And I think for about two months, blue may not have been the best at some point last year. But, I mean, even then... If you look at the results back when people were complaining about you having to use divination to win, blue was doing pretty good. I mean, I don't know. I, every year's the year of blue. I mean, we're playing Magic. If you want it to be the year of red, I guess, or the year of black or green or white, I don't know. What play soccer? I, mean, I don't know.
0: It, it, is, do you find, is that something that is basically fundamental to magic? Is it something that's basically never going to change because of the, the area of space that blue occupies? Is, is it always going to have that position just because of
1: you know, the things it has access
0: to as far as it being the best color for card draw and counter spells?
1: No, 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 no. As a matter of fact, it's not even always blue. It's just really easy to make fun of people who think that blue is always too good, kind of poking them. They're usually green mages. You know the type. But no, like, uh, I think that blue is probably on the upswing, and historically it's been the best more than anything else, and it's probably going to, over the course of the game, be the best more often, simply because the the things that define blue are inherently better, and the people who design the cards are not just designing the game to be the perfect go, where the greatest or, the, or versus. They're not trying to make a game where the best player will always win and make everything as balanced and as fair as possible. Magic's not about what's being fair. It's like life, it's not about what's fair. In Magic, the people making the game want the game to be fun and interesting. And the things that define blue are inherently going to be better, but they're not always better. I mean, the game's not fun when blue's the only thing that's good, but blue's abilities are stopping spells, making decisions. Basically, what it comes down to is blue makes decisions. You know, what do you use your counter spell on? What cards do you look at? What order do you put things on? Do you bounce something now or later? Blue involves making the most decisions, so at the highest level, blue's going to end up looking the best because the best players... Uh, can take full advantage of the cards that require the most decisions. I bet blue's not the best color most of the time at the lower levels, right? How how much do you want to bet? It's either like red or green or white, right? But many pro, many people would say in the long picture, black is the second best color because blue and black cards require more decisions. This doesn't make them better. It's just the type of it's just the type of thing they're doing. You know, it's like um, in general, making more decisions leads to better players having more. Uh, winning more. I mean, that's... In Magic, what you're trying to do is get more and better options, you know? So I, I don't think blue is always intrinsically better, but I think that uh, based on what blue as a color is, at the higher levels, at competitive play, like at PTQs, Grand Prix, Pro Tours, Star City Games Opens, it's going to be slightly better just because of what the color is built around, you know? And the problem is that if you tear, tear it down to be worse, then there's no incentive for people to even do it at all because... It's harder, and you always have to get out of situations. You always uh, you have to make so many more decisions. So if you have to make all these decisions just to break even with what green or red could do without trying, if it's like that all the time, then it's there's no reward, there's no incentive. Plus, part of the blue mage experience is if you get, if you think about things a whole bunch, you get to figure out something that's even better than what they thought of. That's part of what defines blue. Whereas red, it's sort of like part of the uh, part of the, f- the theme of red is so much that sometimes you can just throw everything at them and in this passionate, furious blaze you can just unleash and it doesn't matter what their strategy was you can end it before they have a chance to do it or with green uh, green so much of the time you can use your cards to help the rest of your cards geometrically where the more your cards are it's almost synergistic where the more your cards can uh, the more of your theme you do whether it's five color mana or it's tokens that power each other up or it's elves that help each other whatever it is or alternatively sometimes with green uh green is very much a color that can solve every problem except for creatures and it's kind of it's kind of weird if you start looking at it whether it's drawing cards or destroying permanents or attacking, it has haste, it has blockers. I mean, every color has something to it. Green, the whole thing with green is two things. One, you can do anything you want, as long as you don't kill a creature, which is kind of an interesting kind of uh, theme to it. And then two, uh, with green, you can, um, you're always sort of the underdog. Even though green is probably historically one of the better colors, the green mage always gets to believe that they're at a disadvantage and if they can somehow just beat the evil, oppressive blue mage, they've overcome they've they've overcome the man who's holding them down, you know? It's I mean there's there's a lot of layers to magic other than just the numbers in the corners, you know. You know, I, I love hearing you. I, I love hearing you talk about that. It
0: really brings perspective to, you know, how people like to identify themselves uh, with with what they play and what they invest in. It's kind of you know you gravitate towards what what you feel in tune with, and 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 uh, I, I found
1: that very very interesting. Take a look. Take a look at a card like uh, a card like dream. Uh, a card like overrun. Versus a card like uh, Dream Halls. Now, somebody plays a card like Dream Halls or some other combo card, you know, they. uh, The blue mage thinks he's so tricky, and the green mage is like, oh, you're just playing a stupid combo deck, right? But from the green. If you look at it the other way, when the green mage casts Overrun, it's really the same thing. It's just a combo deck where you do your thing and now you win immediately, regardless of what else was going on. But the Green Mage gets to feel so clever. He gets to feel like he won with creatures and the other guy was just playing, you know, some cheesy combo deck. But they're really doing the same thing. It just appeals to different parts of their psychology. The blue person gets to think, I'm so tricky, I figured out how to use dream halls with, you know, cruel tomatum or progenitus or whatever, you know? Uh, conflux, you know. But the, the Green Mage he had to earn it. He played with all the creatures, he, you know, he played with man, with Llanowar Elves, and they could have got Wrathed Away, but this time they didn't, and and he was, you know, he stuck to the plan, and, and and he was able to punish the other guy, and it was the creatures that did the killing, not the overrun, you know? I mean, so I think that it's just part of the psychology, of the psychographic of what makes up people who have predilections for different types of cards. At the competitive level, most people are going to be open to playing any colors, you know, if you're if you're super, super spiky. But the game isn't just for the top 1% of competitive players. It's for everybody, you know? And that's why blue ends up being a little bit better. The thing that appeals to the majority of blue players, in order to satisfy them, you end up creating a situation where blue ends up being slightly better most of the time at the highest level.
0: Okay. Um, so recently... There was announced uh, some big changes to the band's restricted list and uh, the way the formats are structured. In particular, uh, extended has gone overgone a major shift, Um, shrinking down now down to four years worth of sets instead of seven. What's what's your interpretation of that
1: change? What do you think of it? I mean, I think it's great, right? I mean, like, what possible bad could there be other than people being uh, disappointed or frustrated that their cards uh, don't have the perceived value that they thought they they would. I mean, how many people sit around thinking, man, I can't wait until I get hit by a dark depths again. God, I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. Hypergenesis on the second turn. Yes. No, I mean, the format wasn't even fun. The attendance was super low. If you look at the results, I mean, you may, there may be some people who say, well, in our area, extended was popular. If you look at Watsi's numbers worldwide, extended was not popular at all you know and not only was it not popular but people who were going to the tournaments like PTQs and grand Prix were mostly doing it because they had to because that's the format that was being pushed and there's no like w- why does Watsy want everybody to play a bunch of uh, a format that they don't even want to? It's a game. We're supposed to be having fun. The whole point is to make a format that's actually interesting to people. And the way that Extended was structured before, it wasn't rotating fast enough so that when a card like Wild Nakado would get printed, it would be super oppressive for seven years. Not, things wouldn't change often enough. The new Extended is going to rotate more and be. It's going to mo- rotate more relevantly and at a quicker pace so that it feels more fresh. But at the same time, it's not just the best of standard. I mean, when you have these two set uh, you have uh, this two-year period of standard that two-year period of standard the two-year period of standard in between the standards that never touched as you know you end up in this geometric thing where there's four times as many strategies as there would be in standards so it's actually going to be much deeper but but the fact that there aren't these quick combos like uh, hypergenesis and dark depths It's going to make it so that people can play a little bit more of a real game, you know, where you're you're actually interacting with the person, getting little advantages, you know. And I don't think the format's going to just be fairies and jund or anything like that, so don't get that twisted, you know. I think that uh, once you start playing it, too, you're going to find that it's it's actually a lot of fun. You know, it's... um, in type two, when something gets too good, it can be really kind of annoying sometimes because there aren't enough powerful other cards. Like right now, what can you really play besides Blood Braid Elf and Jace? Right? It's hard to play something besides Blood Braid Elf and Jace because they're so good. But uh, in old extended, you even though there was tons of cards legal, there weren't very many that you'd actually want to play because Dark Depths is so good. Hypergenesis is so fast, you know, things like that. Uh, and Wild in the Coddle, so fast. But in the new extended, the double standard there are great strategies, but a strategy like fairies or jund isn't as oppressively good because there's Bitter Blossom, there's uh, reflecting pool, there's bloodbraid elf, you know, there's jace the mind sculptor, there, you know, there's all these different strategies. There's mono red. There's like been one good mono red card from each set. Put them all together, and you're, you know, kicking some butt. So it's like, I think that extended. I'm super excited for it, and ever since I started building decks for it, it's been one of the most fun brewing opportunities in years and years and years. It's so exciting to think about the possibilities. So,
0: seeing that the old, the, the current extended, soon to be the old extended format, had this issue with with the card pool and, and people being willing to play it, do you see an overextended, being like from Mass Block forward, as a, a viable
1: format? Yeah, I mean, I think that the overextended is uh, a very... It's a pretty near eventuality someday. The question is when. I don't think it, I don't think this is the year to do it. I think that if I were Wizards of the Coast, I might do it next year, maybe the year after. I don't know. Give the new extended a chance, but uh, I think there's got to be an over extended at some point because there needs to be something to bridge the gap between extended and legacy, and. Um, There isn't really a pressing need to do it right now You know, let people explore this new format But I wouldn't be so quick to think the Shock are without, you know, without a purpose Besides, people play things like EDH and their casual decks and things like that But I think that the day will come where overextended comes You know, overextended being going all the way back to when the reserve list starts You know, like not count, or uh, reserve list ends, you know I think too many people are getting hung up on the idea that somehow a whole bunch of their cards are worthless overnight. I mean, what are the cards worth anyway, right? They're, you were going to play with them until they weren't legal anymore, and then they were going to drop anyway, right? They're going to come back at some point anyway, whether they're reprinted or whether they're uh, or the o- overextended format comes. But think about all the cards you own that go up in value now. What about Bitterblossom and Cryptic Command? You know, I mean, there's gonna the market's always going to keep changing, you know. And besides. The It's not their job to make all of the cards that, like, Shocklands. Why why do they need to make Shocklands stay expensive? Isn't it good that Shocklands could be cheaper so the people that want to play with them can get them? I mean, I don't know. I think it's always disappointing when you have cards that lose value. But don't forget about the cards you have that gain value, too, you know? You can't take that too seriously. And uh, I think that there's a lot of value to the idea of this extended format being more... people being able to play it who aren't as invested in it. The old Extended, if you didn't own the Shocklands, if you didn't own all the cards you needed, it was hard to get in. But the new Extended, you can actually show up with a Type 2 deck and not be embarrassed. Not only can you show up with a Type 2 deck and not be embarrassed, if you just have a Type 2 deck and you want to play Extended seriously, you can just get the cards you need to port it over. You know, you could get your Jun deck and port it over. You could get your Next Level Band deck, port it over. Your Mythic deck, port it over. Your Blood Control deck, port it over. Whatever deck you have... You could just have, like, with, theoretically, you could walk around with 100, 110 cards and have that 100 cards and have it be your deck, sideboard, and your extended deck, like your ability to transform into it, which I think is going to make it much more financially feasible for somebody to play extended who isn't focusing on it, you know? I mean, I, I think people don't even realize yet how much it's going to end up making extended approachable, but I don't know. I guess that's just me. Uh, I happen to agree that
0: I think that Extended is going to be is a great format to look at. I want to thank you very much for your time, and uh, hopefully you keep winning, and uh, we go ahead and, and talk some more uh, later rounds where it's looking like you're top eight in or something. Oh, so. absolutely. Uh, thanks. I'll talk to you later on, man. Yeah. Thanks.